Captain Marvel. Marvel's Captain Marvel. And so he, uh, and like, is one of those um, kind of major milestones in comic book history that the death of Captain Mm -hmm. Marvel, he actually dies of cancer. And, Hmm. um, you know, comics, that was kind of the time of age of comics where they're only beginning to address kind of harder subjects Mm -hmm. like that. Like, um, uh, Green Arrow finds his sidekick, like, shooting heroin or something, like, on the cover. And, yeah, like, it was, they were really starting to address some of these things. And so Captain Marvel dying of cancer, it makes me, the cover, you've got, (laughs) it's kind of crazy. It's... It's the Grim Reaper holding Captain Marvel in his arms, but if you look at it and just Google the death of Captain Marvel cancer like cover image of the comic book, it's the Pieta. <laughs> it, looks exactly it's, it looks exactly like the Pieta. <laughs> it's like a little mirror image of it. I think Christ is uh-huh. facing the other direction, but yeah. It's even, you know how in oh, uh, Michelangelo's Pieta, I mean. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It, I th- um, even that is interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yes, that's just kind of, kind of weird. But even the elongation mm-hmm. of the body, you know, with the mannerism that you know Michelangelo, yeah. like Jesus would have had like extra vertebrae if he was that long, kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of and the interesting. Mary is the huge. Yeah, never or death is huge. Yeah, Mary is giant. <clears throat> so here's a question: How do you see this stuff? Or how do you, like, figure out, again, these different imageries between, I guess, modern, secular pieces of art and sacred art images? I mean, because I'm assuming, I mean, the writers, they are artists themselves, and so they don't, I mean, not everything they come up with is absolutely original, but I would never see this image and say, wow, that's the Pieta, you know? Uh, I feel like you're... Question is, now I'm um, like, would I have seen it? Too deep. <laughs> would I have seen it if not <laughs> for Scott mentioning it there? And I, I feel like the comic bar, book artist is gonna be like, ah, nobody's gonna know what I'm copying right. here, <laughs> right? Or if you ask them that question, he'd be like, no, like that's not where it but comes from. What are you talking about? It's you know? obviously uh, a rendition of it. Like you, you can't negate it after seeing it. Yeah, once you see it, it's kind of... Well, I mean, there's the old line. I think it was either Shaw or Oscar Wilde or or maybe Vonnegut stealing it from them. He said that, you know, the 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 good artists mm-hmm. will copy, but the greatest artists will outright steal. <laughs> or in terms of writing, plagiarize. Yeah. You, know? you know, actually, now that you say that, in reference to my uncle, <laughs> he has said... And I don't want this going too public, but he has told me there is no such thing as like a new theologian, or a new heresy, <laughs> or new heresies. Right? The only ones that are successful are those who paraphrase the best. Yeah, yeah. I need to work on my paraphrasing skills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really curious in this oh, cover yeah. uh, cover thing now. Well, we I, it might be a good um can write. Jim Starlin, if he's still alive, I don't know. Well, he might be the author, not he, the artist. He actually is the artist too. It looks like. Yeah. Oh, he is. Cool. <laughs> we what? I I might um email him and, and ask. 
It'd be really cool if he's like, no one's ever asked that before. I've been waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life for somebody to say. <laughs> but no, it's true. I just opened a new window of my browser and put a Pieta it's next just, to that image, and yeah. it's it's almost a mirror. It is flipped. Was yeah, I right it, about that? No, it's not flipped. Oh, it's, it's original. Not? Okay, cool. Wow. You know, one one thing um, I'm sad to say about the Pieta because. A little backstory in my I went to public school almost the whole way and in high school um, the only time religion was ever really discussed was in AP European history and I had this amazing European history teacher and she actually cried when she was describing the Pieta which you know in a public school you're like that's never going to happen especially today but um, when my wife and I um, went to uh, Rome for our honeymoon um, to get the the papal blessing on our marriage. Um, we, you know, we walked in St. Peter's, and I looked to my right, and I'm like, oh, that can't be the real Pieta. And I just kept walking. <laughs> and I didn't, I never came back to it. Like, you know, it was, it was super crowded and all that stuff, but we, ne- I never came back to, like, get within 20 feet of the thing. And um, so I'm a huge loser for that. Just shame on you. Yeah, I just needed to confess that. <laughs> Appreciate y'all listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So here's the question: Talk about going to Rome. True story. I remember. I don't know how long I want to stay on this, but and a little off topic. But I don't know if you recall, but Ash and I went to BRCC at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I was there for a little bit. And. <laughs> And I do remember... For our listeners, that's Baton Rouge Community College. Baton Rouge Community College. Um, I remember we both were taking a history class at the same time, but it was a different history. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm still giggling about this. Oh, no. <laughs> um, they, in her class, were talking about the Sistine Chapel. Uh, but in particular, I think the topic was like nudity in art. And Oh, and that special artist that came around and drew a little fig leaves or bits of cloth on all the all the private yes. parts <laughs> yes is that the, is so, that literally what you're gonna say i was just yes oh, and damn. so <laughs> they were talking about it and she was like yeah she goes i can't believe like you know like they had like nudity in the sistine chapel and like in the vatican she's like that's so like you know that's so undignified and i was kind of leaned <laughs> in i was like well you know <laughs> other popes actually ordered they be restored to their original nudity right like be restored to their original beauty and she was completely shocked. Like, she had never heard of that before. <laughs> um, so it was just, I don't know, it was an interesting topic. And it was around that point where, as I guess you mentioned at the very beginning, like, started studying theology of the body. Oh, um, yeah, that's cool to mark that. Yeah, but uh, but it's just interesting to see, like, in a history class and her, I don't want to call it naivety, but, like, you know, the fact of nudity being within a church or within, you know, like, sacred art was like, it was a no-no. <laughs> Wasn't supposed to happen. And you kind of got to ask yourself, could something like that happen again? And even as I'm saying that, I'm like, yeah, of course it it did happen again in the 70s. -hmm. You know, and kind of that period where the Catholics almost adopted the iconoclasticism of the Protestants. And we painted over all our, some of our most beautiful murals. Mm -hmm. Um, Like here in Baton Rouge, um, St. Joseph's Cathedral, um, they just painted over all of it. (laughs) It's uh, that's, that was just a catastrophe. <laughs> mm-hmm. The nineteen seventies on Catholic churches. 
and 80s like, too it truly truly was disheartening have you ever seen uh what it was a book that came out i think it was a centennial celebration book or 50 year book for the diocese of baton Rouge. oh yeah do you remember and they have some original photos yeah. of the cathedral before mm-hmm. renovations it's like mm-hmm. a completely different oh, building that's, that's so sad to hear that because like you know the um the nave i guess i'm probably getting that wrong but you know the back of the altar um where you've got that stone mm-hmm. wall Right, it's like Gabatha, you know. Is that the stone pavement? Um, that's what I feel like when I look at the behind the altar, like this the harsh stone pavement of the of the crucifixion, and um, that wasn't original to the building. It was more of a curved back, and you had mm-hmm. uh, stained glass windows, you know, long vertical mm-hmm. stained glass windows, and yep. they just like let's just put a wall here. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this is terrible. And then also that time, you know, I, it wasn't so much iconoclasticism, but I guess kind of an adoption of a un-Eucharistic Protestant, uh, you know, understanding. They, you started getting the 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 tabernacle defocused, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. shifting the focus away from it by putting it off to the side or you know, wherever. Yeah. <sighs> it's a little jump, but I actually remember when I was a missionary in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau the church that we went to that was by our house was um, St. Bernadette. And right before we moved into that house, they had done some renovations and completely redid the inside and the interior. And to say it was horrendous is to be generous. Oh, no. It was like a wavy glass paneling behind the altar. (laughs) And then um, they took the tabernacle from the center and then moved it off into a corner. And same, like, put, like, this wavy glass shrouding, like, around the front of it. And it was just, it was awful. Um, But the priest there now um, has since put in a new initiative and completely redid the altar area to where it's all hand-carved and wood. Mm. um, Awesome. You know, and actually restored it to what it was, I guess, what the original intent was supposed to be. Move the the tabernacle back, you know, near the altar and... um, it's drastically different. Uh, but again, it was just, it's weird to imagine that, you know, for people to want to go to church to be in a sacred space, yet vote and, you know, have this, like, I guess, push to change something from what is not originally sacred. Um, I don't know. It's just yeah, a weird feeling. Well, it's one weird of the things that I heard, uh, and, and, keep in mind that this is this is how it was at, at St. Jesus Seminary College uh, at the Abbey over there uh, and at many many churches uh, yeah, in that's Covington, Covington right? Out, or technically in St. Benedict is actually in its own little city um, oh my god <laughs> the yeah, right. um, <laughs> but one of the main arguments for moving the tabernacle to one side of the altar or one side of the church is to give people better access to the tabernacle um, bringing Christ closer to the people now I'm not saying that I agree with it 
<laughs> or at least half yeah. the people. Well, right? <laughs> it's for people to go in like outside of mass and spend some time with Christ. And this was before the uh, the a uh, bunch of churches had these perpetual adoration chapels, you know, um, but they kept mm-hmm. the church doors hmm, open. And so instead of having them go up on the altar uh, in, in, in the sanctuary area, um, they would move Jesus over to the side, allowing them. That's why you always see kneelers right there, you know, um, giving them some time to spend with Christ in the tabernacle. But with the development and the uh, the implementation implementation of perpetual adoration chapels, um, there's really no need for it anymore. That's interesting. That perspective makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, I you know for me it's just the the church is a recapitulation of the temple is a recapitulation mm-hmm. of the tabernacle of Moses is a recapitulation of what Moses saw on top of Mount Sinai and the Moses's tabernacle um, had the Ark of the Covenant mm-hmm. you know at the very center um, you know that you would like you would process in from the east gate you know straight into the Ark of the Covenant and the um, of course, and based on that, you know the the altar was kind of to the side, so that kind of cuts both <laughs> ways, I guess. <laughs> okay, so I got um, another. I mean, that's a whole conversation topic too. Not to, we maybe can circle back to that, but I just wanted to say, um, did y'all hear about Father Bahi, Jeff Bahi, and um, Zachary? He just built a new church there. I don't know um, what you're talking about, but I know who yeah. Father Jeff Bahi is and Zachary. Yeah, y'all, I, and some of this I'm, you know, given for the listener. Um, so Father Jeff Bahi, he, he uh, is one of our local, one of our Baton Rouge diocesan priests. He uh, cut a record with Aaron Neville mm-hmm. uh, and found, and when he looked back to his bank account a couple years down the road, he saw he had a couple million dollars used that to start Metanoia Manor, uh, which is this amazing shelter for victims of sex trafficking human trafficking um but so he recently built a new church in in zachary louisiana and he was able to get the altarpiece the pews the the cabinetry for the sacristy all that original woodwork he uh bought from a church um kind of a de- i think it was a decommissioned church um in upstate new york uh, and in that purchase, which I think he spent maybe 40000 all that, which, you, you know, to get, even to get the cheap stuff in, it would be mm-hmm. more expensive than that, much less, you know, hand-wrought woodwork, right? Which is just priceless these days. Um, but with that price also came the stained glass of, the, mm-hmm. of that church um, up in upstate New York. And right as they were about to start taking that down to send it down to Louisiana, package it and send it down, the Historical Society, let's say Rochester or Buffalo, um, said, uh, prevented the stained glass from being taken from the building because the exterior of the building uh, had historical significance and the stained glass was part of the exterior, so they they stopped the sale. Well, dang. Yeah, well, then come to find out that the new tenant in the church, um, uh, it became a mosque. And the um, imam or whatever leader of the congregation um, put black 
cloth over all the stained glass windows because they didn't want that. <laughs> you know, they didn't want that to be right. seen in their mosque. So, yeah, I mean, isn't that uh, this is the terrible irony <laughs> of all that? But he did get a really good deal on the uh, the wood the woodwork. Yeah. And I'll say that's common now, but uh, also St. Pius Parish here in Lafayette Diocese recently had a similar, I guess, arrangement. Um, a number of the items around the church, they have uh, different statues of the apostles and also the Baldacchino and the altar section, I believe, um, were all recovered from wow. the decommissioned church. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so, you know, the majority of the building itself is a little more modern. However, a lot of the main articles within the church are recovered from another, um, and you know they, they're very good placings so that, in there. That would be kind of neat to kind of kind of build a home from things from a decommissioned church. You know, like uh, I don't I don't know if that's sacrilegious or anything, but for faithful Catholics, you know, uh, to to build a home be pretty from sweet. decommissioned church stuff. That would be awesome, like stained glass cool. windows, church pews, you know, the wood floors. That'd be really neat. There's a... Not to sound weird, but I've actually got a Paschal candle <laughs> in my living room. <laughs> we, um, when they were replacing the roof at St. Mary's here in New Roads, um, I raided the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> I got all the wood that, you know, didn't have termite damage. Um, and we incorporated it into our house. I made bookshelves <laughs> out of it and... Um, the original St. Mary's, when they were demolishing it, they were just about to throw away all the wood. But um, I forget the person who did it. But there, um, y'all might remember on False River, there's a a home that has like a lot of windows and the paint's kind of peeling off of it. It's across from like the fire station. Yes. And uh, yeah, like a center for the arts, kind of right around there. Uh huh. That was that was made from the windows and the wood from the original yeah. St. Mary's. What? Yeah, like I mean, I mean, how how often that sort of thing happened that people just disposed of things like that? And now these days, you know, reclaimed wood is so precious and expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so so much was lost, or like when Napoleon the Third. Um, and decided to widen the boulevards in Paris, you know, and just, just mowed down, you know, whole neighborhoods to make like the Champs Elysees and stuff like that. Kind of makes you sick. I know. I'm trying to, I'm actually kicking myself. It was a while back. Um, so here, right next to the, so in the Diocese of Lafayette, there's the, uh, the Dyson office. Right next to that is a school, St. John Paul the Great. Um, which used to be a monastery. I can't remember exactly which order it was. Is that is so the cathedral? That's the one with that the the live oak, the really old live oak ne- next to it. Yes, okay. yes. The cathedral does have the live oak that's like over four hundred years old. Wow. Um, but not there. So actually, the Dyson office is oh, off of Carmel Drive, okay. which is a little a little ways out of town. Um, but next to that, it's an old. It was an old monastery that is now a private school. Oh, you said you're talking, you said JP two Institute, right? John Paul the Great. John Paul the Great. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, it's a school, um, which used to be a monastery slash uh, home for religious order. I can't remember oh, which order it was. Wow. But anyways, on the grounds, all of the buildings there are, you know, 100 plus years old. Well, the principal and the headmaster at the time, uh, they Fletcher? were trying. It was Peter Fletcher. They were demolishing a old house and huh. barn. Huh. 
And so it was myself and one other friend and like a couple other people. They told us like, look, if you want to salvage any of this wood, awesome. we'll give you a couple of days to come in and take whatever you want. After that, we're, de- you know, we're demolishing it. And so I remember going to help my friend and we recovered like some beautiful long, I'm talking like 14, 15 foot wow. uh, cypress planks. They're probably hand hewn, hand planed. Oh. oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So beautiful, beautiful wood. And I remember helping him harvest a ton of stuff, but I didn't keep much for myself. And now I'm like, I'm like, man, Kicking I should have kept a couple things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, you know, not just the, you know, the, the fact to say like, you know, this is from, you know, this historical building, but I mean, these things again, like can tell how many people have either been in that home or have used that barn or even the religious brothers, you know, that were part of their property that use those buildings so much history and, and memories that are probably there that are tied to that wood well I say that this um our sponsor for uh this ep- this first episode and some of our first episodes is holy water books um a publisher a small imprint publisher of uh catholic books um some of the books i've written and uh, one of our f- I, y'all know brian costello uh, met him at the Minnegod Conference. Oh, okay, gotcha. Or the Immaculata Conference. Right. That's that's another thing we should probably mention. The Men of the Immaculata Conference, conference coming up um, for it's a Catholic men's conference. Uh, men from all over southern Louisiana come. It's March 9th, which is the first Saturday of Lent. We try to always uh, put on the first Saturday of Lent. Um, but we'll have to do because we'll probably all be together. Um, mm-hmm. For the men's conference, we should do a, a podcast there at the conference, and maybe get like Tim Staples or something to to join us. Fun. I think we could probably, yeah, I think we could swing that. Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, I'm definitely gonna be there, uh, having a table for the Knights of Columbus uh, insurance, and uh, hopefully just for recruiting Knights of Columbus members. So, um, yeah. And if anybody listening might be interested Absolutely. in that. Um, Go to uh, www.kofc.org backslash join us. Uh, you can actually become an e-member today, uh, and uh, you can find out more information about the Knights uh, on their website. And Hey, feel free to get in touch with me. Uh, I'll, I'll be happy to talk to you more about the Knights. Do you want to um, have a particular yeah, email yeah, or something? Actually, or I can provide <laughs> it. read at kofc.org. Uh, is a great email to reach me at. That's my work email, uh, and I, that's the one that I pay attention to the most. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you to Holy Water Books, our uh, sponsor for uh, today's podcast. Um, if you'd like to check out the catalog of books uh, offered by Holy Water, uh, you can check them out at uh, holywaterbooks.com. Again, that's holywaterbooks.com. I guess that uh, wraps up um, our f- first couple podcasts. Anything else, uh, Colby, you want to mention uh, Christmas-wise, 12 Days of Christmas-wise, um, uh, theme song-wise? We still haven't figured out what our theme song is going to be. No, we haven't. I guess uh, I just figure out something before the next one, but... No, if I did start making some other comments, we'd be talking for another 30 minutes. So yeah. probably should uh, <laughs> yeah. be working on our <laughs> third wrap it up. <laughs> Right, right. But 
All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, we hope to continue doing this on a maybe every every couple weeks basis. Um, we'll be talking about current Catholic events, nerd nerdiness, nerdery, um, and anything that you might submit to us to talk about. Um, thanks so much for listening. God bless, and uh, we'll. We'll see you next time. Alrighty. Welcome to the Catholic, first Catholic Nerds podcast, episode one. I have here with me Colby, Mary, and Cody. Do y'all want to introduce yourselves, and then I guess I'll come in on the back end and introduce myself? Sure. I think Colby should go first. I was going to say, y'all go first. I was going to pour myself another glass of wine. but <laughs> um. I've got coffee, you've got wine. Mm-hmm. Well, supposedly red wine is good for your heart, so that's why I've been keeping up with it. Oh, yeah. Gluten-free red wine. We might talk about that later. Right, right. Uh, so, sure, my name is Colby Allen. I am 30 years old. I live in Karen Crow, Louisiana. I'm recently engaged. Uh, As in, like, what, two days now? Actually, it happened the weekend before Christmas. What? And we just now are finding out about this? <laughs> yeah, so we were trying to keep it a little quiet so we can tell family. Um, and, of course, there's a million family members you have to talk to. So, uh, And yeah, I actually... be strategic about this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even want to put on Facebook or, or Instagram or anything yet. And she kind of pushed me. She's like, you know, we need to tell people. We need to do this. I'm like, all right, you do whatever you're going to do, and I just have to follow suit. So... <laughs> It's a good way to start the relationship. <laughs> right. Whatever you want, honey. That's that's how this is going to go. <laughs> it reminds me of how Ashton and I start our marriage. We were with uh, Father Bob was presiding, and he was like, y'all want to um, be Eucharistic ministers? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. And Ashton, like, scooted me off the altar and was like, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like for your own wedding. Yeah, you know. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. <laughs> She she set me straight, <laughs> but uh, this awesome. is this is a good sign that we're getting tangential, even just in the introductions. Sure, you know. Sure. <laughs> um, so I guess to wrap up, my uh, I've been working with the same company now for six years. I work in insurance and finance. 
Um, I enjoy riding motorcycles, and mm-hmm. I collect whiskeys, and that I have a beautiful, sense. beautiful fiance, and um, I guess part of the probably come up at some other point, but I'm also a convert. I've been confirmed now oh, for yeah, right. ten years, ten and a half years. Um, with my family. Ten and a half years, like as of Easter or something like that? As of this past Easter, yeah. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that's up in a nutshell, and I guess more will come out later. So, see y'all. <laughs> Sweet. And Mary? I'm going to get some more wine. <laughs> <laughs> go, 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 go. <laughs> okay, well, I'm Mary Reed. Um, I have an amazing husband named Cody, who's also here, although we can't hear him. And... <laughs> Uh, two beautiful children. Rose is about to be four, and Francis just made two. Um, and I am in the entertainment and law enforcement and uh, uh, food industry. I'm a stay at home mother. And <laughs> so, oh, man. That's yeah. great. We need to get you a badge for that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's pretty wonderful. Pretty eclectic days um i have a theology degree from notre dame seminary and i uh, hear that's the best place to get it's true it's true i've heard that too and um i'm really not sure what else i used to work for louisiana right to life so i have a lot of experience with pro-life issues and pro-life apologetics and uh just happy to be here and to to participate in this Okay, so my name is Scott Smith. Um, I'm the one that's dragooned these other guys into um, nerding out with me, um, Catholic nerding out with me. I am a lawyer, God help me. Um, <laughs> I also <laughs> have a theology degree um, from the same place Mary does, from Notre Dame Seminary. Um, I have, well, we all live in Louisiana. I'm from New Roads. And I have four children, six, four, two, and nine, I think not about nine months. My wife is nodding yes, so <laughs> I'm glad she's here with me because I'm gonna, she's my reference on a lot of, of my uh, things concerning my own life. Um, what else should I mention? Uh, oh, yeah, I blog at uh, thescottsmithblog.com, and I think that's about enough of me. I, I may be the nerdiest one here. <laughs> if we need somebody to, you know, be a Catholic nerd expert on, you know, Star Wars, comics, Lord of the Rings, that kind of stuff. I don't have, uh, uh, I think Mary's got a cool, back, you know, Mary and Cody have their cool pro-life background. Um, Colby, one thing I want you to mention more is that your theology of the body background. But, yeah, I'm just, you know, your classic nerd background, really. <laughs> See, and I used to be a nerd in high school, but then I kind of grew out of it, so. Yeah, then you got cool, or, you know, too cool for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas I think Cody would fight you for the nerdiest designation. Well, he would probably win a fight. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's nerd wrestling, <laughs> we'll just break out my uh, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Trivial Pursuit games. <laughs> We'll do like a double-decker Trivial Pursuit game. Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. I think I played that one time with my brother, and that was enough. (laughs) That was the last time. Yeah. (laughs) One and done. 
So some of the things that I wanted us to talk about tonight, um, we need to pick out a theme song. Of course, being the Christmas season, we may have a seasonal theme song. Um, we be good to talk about the 12 days of Christmas, since we're in the midst of those. And then I was thinking if we had time, we could kind of um, go through our favorite Christmas movies or you know kids' Christmas movies kind of stuff. Um, do y'all have off the top of your head any uh, ideas for theme songs? I guess um, if we're talking about the twelve days of Christmas today, we may that may that may end up being like an intro. Sure, sure. Uh, I guess it'd be pretty easy to find some free tracks on SoundCloud or something for holiday theme music yeah. for what ten seconds, like a ten second clip. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe something like thirty. Um, but, uh, but I guess once, um, you know, once the holidays, what, should we have like our own theme song? Like later on? Oh, hey, there's Cody. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to introduce yourself, Cody? Um, hi, I'm Cody. We did, we said our names (laughs) and like our (laughs) families. She already covered how many kids y'all have. And, um. And oh. like what you do. I am Mary's uh, not better half. Uh, <laughs> I work for the Knights of Columbus currently, so uh, I'm a financial professional. Awesome. Uh, graduated from St. Joseph Seminary College. Uh, I guess uh, bringing to the table some background in uh, apologetics, uh, mostly pro life apologetics and philosophy. Uh, and uh, Lots of comic books and movies and music oh, and all kinds of fun stuff uh, that I, I enjoy in my spare time. And video games, of course. Yeah, I don't have very good knowledge of video games. <laughs> I, I know Cody likes to remembers all the times that they killed me playing video games. Yeah, uh, he's, he's at the school. beach is uh, one phrase that stands out to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm stuck in the water. Um, yeah, and I guess we should mention that Cody and I are both uh, seminary dropouts, <laughs> <laughs> Catholic seminary dropouts. Well, well I, I don't know if you can really say that because I was a Jesuit <laughs> dropout. <laughs> I graduated. Yeah, they yeah, just kept you. In, they kept you in long enough until you wanted to quit, right? Yeah, yeah until I figured out, you know, <laughs> that there were different kinds of Catholics out there. <laughs> Some less Catholic than others. Amen but, to that. Yeah. I was like, you ever heard that joke about the, the grandmother that's trying to get her grandson in the seminary? Uh-uh. Please oh, yeah. tell us. Okay, so grandmother's determined that her grandson's going to be a priest. So she goes to the bishop, says, Bishop, well, my grandson to be a priest. He's like, okay, well, it takes about, you know, eight years, minor seminary, major seminary, and then he's ordained. She's like, okay. So then, you know, she goes to the Dominican order. And he was like, you know, provincial, I want my grandson to be a priest. Tell me about your order. I was like, oh, it'll take about probably 10 years, you know, to go through the whole program and formation and eventually be a priest. So then she takes him to the Jesuit order <laughs> and asks the provincial, like, you know, I want my grandson to be a priest. You know, what what does your order offer? He's like, well, it'll take about 14 years. She's like, well, I guess we'll pick this one. He's a slow learner. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Shots fired. Now that we've offended a bunch. Of <laughs> <laughs> see, I've got a good one. I'm pulling up. Let's see if I can pull up and guy. Um, 
a guy wants uh, needs prayers for a very material thing. He goes up to a Franciscan and a Jesuit. He asks a Franciscan, uh, "How many rosaries do I need to say to get a Ford Mustang?" <laughs> Uh, really, the way I like it is, how many rosaries do I have to say to get a Lamborghini? And the Franciscan replies, what's a Lamborghini? And so then he goes next to the Jesuit, and the Jesuit replies, what's a rosary? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, today is day two of the 12 oh, days shoot. of Christmas. <laughs> no, that's not the feast we celebrate. <laughs> okay, wait. Day two or day three? Time out. Time out. You're going to have to repeat that. Sorry. Okay. So what I just typed and hit enter, we have a friend over oh, wait. who was helping us put our oh, kids yeah? to bed. And so I typed something so that she'd know what was going on. Scott is tri- trigging to start a And pro- I hit okay. enter, but that was not meant for you guys. That was meant for her. <laughs> but my finger just hits enter without me consenting to it. <laughs> so I apologize. So delete all that. Christine, say hi. Hello. Y'all know Christine, uh, huh? Hey. I'm going to say this yes. <laughs> Pretty sure you've met her. <laughs> yeah. It's Scott Smith I'd... and Colby Allen. Christine is very graciously helping us. Um, oh, Christine says congratulations, Colby. <laughs> she was begging you. <laughs> Christine's graciously helping us try to train Francis to go to sleep without breastfeeding. So, so she's coming in and swooping in and being this maternal figure that's not breastfeeding them. That could actually be another topic for us. To yeah, sorry, not to derail, but so one of my other friends was telling me recently they've had issues with their baby um, sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. She's in a mom's group. Uh, it's called Well Read Moms, so it's like a book club. And randomly, one of the moms brought up the topic that they um, they like family sleep. Where there's like basically all the kids sleep with the parents. But she was embarrassed to bring it up. And she said, but once she brought it up, almost all of the moms in the group brought up that they do something like that. Yeah, it's pretty common, co-sleeping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like made the joke at first. I'm like, what, are they Jewish? Like, <laughs> you know, everybody's in one room. but <laughs> Trying to get um, them out of the house. Right, right. But uh, I guess family dynamics, you know, could be another topic. Because she's embarrassed. You know, to even talk about it because they have issues with their their toddler getting to sleep um, by himself or staying asleep, and the only thing that ever consoles him is like being with them. And so, like, I guess talking about Western culture, how we have to have everything separated and segregated, yeah. where like parents parents have to have their own space and the kids have to have their own space, versus most other Eastern or you know not as Western as us countries, non-Western. Um, still like have some notion of like family sleeping right like historically right right yeah absolutely yeah and i mean we've we've done like different like amounts of co-sleeping we've just sort of figured whatever we need to do is kind of (laughs) what we do to get the job done yeah (laughs) but like i don't know like trying not to rely too heavily on it but not to be afraid of it either if it's kind of what needs to happen in a given sure situation and i know poor ashton's been uh uh the our youngest the baby that's nine months elizabeth elizabeth joy um she's been pretty much nursing all night like she's had some serious separation anxiety but i mean on one hand you know the nursing 
versus non-nursing and co-sleeping versus i think that probably plays into it just because the kid wants that right proximity comfort but uh i you know when the mother nurses speaking as from a father's perspective or maybe just from my very individual perspective it's like i don't have much to do at all <laughs> or i'm just like i am so less capable of helping of helping the kid comforting the child compared to her you know it's like yeah it's you know just it's funny how like nursing is such sort of a blessing but it also can be like i don't know it can be intense <laughs> and <yeah>. it can <laughs> it's like baby yeah cooking. Yeah, and also, like, <laughs> so I just always assumed because our babies fell asleep so easily while nursing, I assumed that was what one did, was nurse babies to yeah. get them to sleep. And I'm only just finding out from friends that, like, that's how you end up with a baby that only will go to sleep nursing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it's like 30 right. years old and can't get to sleep without a hot milk. Right, which, know? I mean, seems very logical, right? But, like, until it was pointed yeah. out to me, like, oh, yeah, like, you need to make sure they don't fall asleep while nursing and set them down when they're sleepy. It's like, oh, that makes a heck of a lot of sense. Just never. So for our next one, we are going to be trying. <laughs> We're going to be doing things a little differently. Not, not. Yeah, each new kid's like a duo. It is. It really is. <laughs> but it's also a completely different kid. So, like, you make all these plans and then you're like, whoop. Yeah. Totally different and situation. They, they and God laugh at your plans. Yeah. See, and that's why siblings are always so different because they have different parenting it's styles. It's true. Yeah. That were applied to them. It's up. true. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, one of those movies where people keep reliving the same day over and over again and, you know. Yeah, Groundhog yeah. Day. Mm. That should count as a favorite holiday movie. That is one of my favorite <laughs> movies. I mean, of course, it's not, you know, it's Groundhog Day is the holidays. That's kind of a subpar holiday for an yeah. awesome movie. But oh, there's there's a good message in that movie. Um, so Bill Murray and I actually share a birthday, so he's one of my favorite actors oh, because nice. of that. But the movie itself has a really good meaning. So because uh, you know all the time that he's reliving the days when he's selfish, it's never fruitful or fulfilling. And it isn't until he becomes selfless and making a gift of his time for other people. That he actually becomes, you know, fulfilled or actually has some joy in is his day. Is that so. what that movie is about? I've never seen it. I've never <laughs> seen know, it. It's a little, it's a little <laughs> tricky to figure it out, but yes. Because I had wanted to write, like, I had seen a video once about, like, writing fiction. And, like, it was just asking some questions about, like, if you were to write fiction, what would you want to write about? And I was like, the more I thought about it, I was like, I think I want to write a book about essentially what you just said. So, dang it. Mm -hmm. It's already been done. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Oops. true. Not not to give away too much of the plot, but yeah, as he kind of figures out that he's living the oh, same yeah. day over I and over. I think you can go straight into I think that's uh, no need even for spoiler alert on. That's right. in the public domain <laughs> of spoilers. All right. Well, then we'll just dive right into it. <laughs> yeah, uh, go for it. Um, but yeah, so as he figures out, you know, he's living the same day over and over, he starts to figure out how he can manipulate or have some type of like personal pleasure in each day without any consequence. Mm. Um, and so he starts doing all these different activities to try to maximize his pleasure, such as like hooking up with different women, uh, eating all these different unhealthy foods. Um, he starts doing all this stuff that's just not fruitful, like even like robs like an armored truck, right? <laughs> um, as they're making a cash delivery. Yeah, and uh, harasses poor Ned, the insurance salesman. Right, right. <laughs> so like, he does all these really kind of nefarious and, and annoying things to his own detriment to where he starts to become extremely unhappy 
Um, and it isn't until he starts using his time to help and serve other people that he becomes, you know, actually experiencing some joy. Uh, so like he learns to play the piano. Um, and really his whole goal, you kind of notice like throughout each day or each episode is he has this goal of seducing this one woman that he works with. Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell, right. So and pretty. so, and so, um, <laughs> uh, but he realizes you know, every time he really lives a day where he tries to like manipulate her, it doesn't work out. And it's not until he starts to actually do things that are fruitful to develop himself and develop other people that things start to turn positive. Um, so again, like he learns to play the piano. Um, he began, you know, very involved in like some of the local groups, uh, and within the community, like he does things very positive. Like he saves people, right. you know, like he, that he knows are either going to get sick or get hurt. So like he does all these really positive things and it's only when he starts doing those things to be productive with his time that he actually becomes fulfilled and then he gets to move on with his life. So what and what's happened at the end where, you know, Punxsutawney Phil, the, you know, the groundhog is like driving the the truck in his lap like Toonses, the driving cat. Well, is there like the a episodes, bomb or something? That no, 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 no. One of, so one of the days where he, when he becomes miserable, he's finding different creative ways to kill himself. So yeah, he finds... the putting the toaster in the bathtub and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's actually one of the ways that he kills himself was that he kidnaps the groundhog and steals a truck uh-huh. and he runs the truck off a cliff. Okay, I was thinking that was more the climate. So is this thing a, a comedy or is it like super dark? Because it's really <laughs> no, it's hard a to comedy. Tell. <laughs> even and it's kind of weird to say too. Like even the the scenes of morbidity where he tries to kill himself, like there's humor. Yeah. In them. Um, but it's not like a morbid, dark, you know, horrific movie. Um, and it does turn out really well. In well, the my end. interest is peaked. Oh, yeah. it's a good movie. It is one of my top. I would say top ten movies. Um, and so I definitely recommend seeing it. Cool. So on that topic, uh, what's everybody's top uh, Christmas movie? Oh, gee. Like, okay, and you got, you know, there's we have to subdivide a little bit because there's, you know, your favorite movie as a kid, and then now your favorite movie that you, you know, that you have to watch at Christmas time. Oh, my time. gosh. Can I give, like, you know, a slightly larger number than one, like, you know, like twenty three or so, or <laughs> well, maybe cap it at twenty one. <laughs> um, for me, it's a wonderful life. Like all growing up, yeah. we watched that like repeatedly throughout Christmas and and other parts of the year too. But it just really spoke to our family a lot. The idea of like the value of each person, and um, and also like the. The, uh, I think a part that particularly spoke to us was where the guy like yells at him to get out of the road, like when he's about to kill himself. You know what I'm talking about? Like on the bridge. Yeah, on the bridge, and the guy's like, like, "What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Look where you're going." You know, and um, like the whole theme of the movie is that guy spells it out right. Yeah, there. yeah. Like I mean, that you literally when you're talking to people, like you literally don't know if they're like at the end of their rope, you know, or, or on the edge. Um. And also just, you know, what life is about, which is kind of similar to what we were just talking about with Groundhog Day, <laughs> you know, like that life, mm-hmm. life is all about um, doing, like doing for others, you know, and building other people up. Um, yeah, that's kind of, it's funny because this one of life is almost the opposite of Groundhog oh, Day. Oh, is it really? 
Instead, mm-hmm. you know, instead of reliving your life again oh, and again with yeah. yourself as a focus, it's mm-hmm. your life without yourself right. at all. Instead, and Bill Murray's the guy who does all, all things for himself and, you know, whoever happens to his life. And then, um, uh, you know, George Bailey Has, does nothing for right. himself, is constantly sacrificing his dreams. So, yeah, that's funny. I never saw those or like the black and white negative. Yeah. Is there even ones in black and white, ones in color? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. So who's who's your favorite character from It's a Wonderful Life? Because I want to say who mine is. Who, who's my favorite character? <laughs> yeah. Um, not counting George Bailey. Not counting course, George Bailey. Oh, that's rough. Um, Colby, yeah, you feel free to jump in too. Sure, sure. I don't know. I mean, of course, Clarence the Angel has some. I was going to say Clarence. You can't. Yeah, he has Clarence. some of the best yeah, lines. I mean, I think I've always identified a lot with Mary for very mysterious the reasons. The virgin mother? You know, <laughs> can't imagine why. Like, even as a kid, I was like, that's the kind of wife I want to grow up to be. But I mean, you know, hasn't quite panned out yet. But. Um, but just like how, like you, you like take an old abandoned house, I, yeah, and fix it up for the honeymoon with posters. Although, and... whenever like I like paint a room in our house or something, I do like have like like images in my head of her like putting up the wallpaper in their house. You know, like day after day, she made their house into a home. You know, <laughs> and all that. Um, but but yeah, just her quiet think... support of him and like how she's you know he's he's a rock in himself you know what i mean like he's it's not like he's a flighty person oh shoot i'm talking too loud for the kids falling asleep but <laughs> it's not like he's he's excited. such a strong person but she's also such a strong person and um like the way she handles like when he's falling apart and stuff you know it's just so sort of beautiful and how she sees the value in all that he's done you know and she she too could have lived this life that would have been more luxurious potentially if she had chosen other paths, you know, but this is the life she wanted was this life of doing good for others. I, I mean, she's like, I, I'm just, I'm thinking about she's like an angel. Like she dedicated herself. Like when she's a little girl, you know, she leans over the counter and says, is this your bad ear? You know, I will love you yeah. my whole life, George <laughs> Bailey, mm-hmm. you know? And she does. Cause when George isn't around in the alternate universe, you know, the parallel reality or whatever, um, she's a, a, a spinster librarian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she never does marry anybody yeah. else. Not And not even, remember who she's dancing with at the party? Do you remember, like, who George uh, takes her away from it's at like the dance? It's like that little kind of dorky guy. It's, <laughs> it's the grown-up alfalfa from The Little Rascals. Oh, is it really? Oh. Yeah, same actor. So, well, she didn't marry him, thank God. <laughs> well and she's kind of a perfect example of like the whole um which this is like a deep topic that could possibly like derail everything but um like the submission thing you know like that a wife is that that when we say the submission of a wife it's really being supportive of the mission of her husband you know and she's kind Mm -hmm. of an exemplary figure of that in in a movie you know that she's there just like you know kind of reinforcing everything that he's doing his whole life and he her name just happens to be mary yeah and it's a pretty great he, name. he very yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he does i mean it gives him the opportunity to to be the christ figure for the and ultimately he is the savior of the whole town 
versus the you know the evil figure mr evil. potter mr potter yeah 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 so yeah i guess you already took everybody's uh favorite character when you said clarence uh, well i didn't slash take mary. him i took mary <laughs> i just said he's pretty great oh, okay. <laughs> well there's not as much to say about clarence come to think of it after all the good things you said well he's about super pro-life Oh, what's he? Uh, what's he do that's um, pro-life? Each man's life I'm, touches so many other lives. Oh yeah. And when he's not yeah. there, it leaves Ooh, a terrible yeah. hole. Oh, that's hmm. awesome. I was gonna say something stupid about how his, you know, favorite book is uh, <laughs> Tom Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like his voice too. But well, uh, so what's yours, Colby? What's your f- favorite? He's gonna be like, I've never uh, seen Diet. Were you about to say Die Hard? Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. So I was at my fiance's house for Christmas, and we were um, trying to pick a movie to watch. And I think we picked the Santa Claus too. Mm-hmm. And uh, her dad was like, "Oh, well, the only good Christmas movie that's ever been is Die Hard." I'm like, <laughs> all right, don't be one of those people, you know. Have, um, have you? Did you see the the Christmas meme? It's not Christmas until I see Hans Gruber fall from Zapataka <laughs> Tower or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, um, Alan Rickman recipes. <laughs> yep, yep. Poor Alan. Rickman. Um, <laughs> you know this is gonna make me sound terrible, but actually, I don't think I have a favorite Christmas movie. That uh, makes you sound terrible. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, we're virtually together anyway. Uh, probably. I mean, if I had to guess, a movie that was around Christmas time. Oh, um, what was it? I saw a movie one time called The Holiday. Like, ho- oh, The Holiday. Oh, with, oh, uh, oh. Was it Claire Danes? And, I love um, The Holiday. Yeah. And Is Jack it no. Claire Danes? Yeah, Jack Black. Kate Winslet. Um, oh, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Kate Winslet. Yeah, yeah, Cameron and Diaz Jack and, and Jack Black. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's not the it's not the best movie, but <laughs> um, that's probably the last movie I saw that was like around Christmas time. Um, as a theme it's got some good stuff yeah yeah uh i mean definitely shows because i do remember um was a juke loss character uh they kind of put this mysterious aura around like him having this other woman in his life uh and it comes to be his daughter Hmm. um so like she have you seen the movie scott or no yeah no i've seen it but just once okay but yeah like you know she's like they went on a date they're having this you know good time and you know, she's like wanting to get close to him, but he's kind of defensive or, or guarded. Um, and come to find out, the, the quote-unquote other woman in his life is his daughter. Uh, and so, I don't know, it's just interesting to see. But for me, I guess Christmas, and I guess I kind of released this movie, but like Christmas is not really, or has become more of like a vacation or retreat season instead of like a religious um, or a liturgical season for most people, uh, which is very unfortunate. And I guess it can tie into our, our theme of 12 days of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been disenchanted with the whole commercialization before Christmas. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> um, it's actually one of the things me and my now fiance have disagreed on. Cause she's all about Christmas, right? She's all about, let's buy decorations, put in the house, let's buy a tree, let's do this, this and this. And I'm like, First thing that comes to my mind is like, well, that's all stuff I got to take down. In <laughs> Those are all allergies, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but not many people focus on the actual liturgical aspect of what Christmas is. 
Um, so this year, um, having having just barely survived putting up Christmas ornaments on our house in past years, you know, breaking various parts of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> this year we finally. Uh, our Christmas ornaments. Uh, Ashton, at, my wife asked me to do this from when we first bought the house. We finally did this year. We made a um, big giant advent wreath in our yard. Nice with Christmas lights, and so um, you know, like with timber posts and concrete. You know, standing upright and with concrete and buckets and stuff like that. But um, you know, so we wrapped the timber posts in the respective colors for the advent wreath and then we'd light one each week and the kids kind of got into it and so it's kind of that's kind of our way of you know it's not just glitz and grammar and uh, glamour (laughs) did you so are you guys actually Um, lighting these on fire no we got like uh (laughs) i was just curious i got off ammo i got these like something pulled up (laughs) i got this like these led like uh lights off amazon that there's like they they have like a thousand little arms shooting off the the core so it's like this burst of light and it kind of has different colors shooting out that sounds more legit than what we we, so we have something similar but it's like um it's like little uh i don't know what to call it like little candelabras little individual little stakes with like a little glass hurricane lamp at the top yeah, that sounds cool. um, Kind of sounds like a Ole Miss tailgate. <laughs> and we have like the little battery-operated votive candles and like a bow on them. But it's like we're, I don't know, it's like kind of our little, um, I don't know what to call it, silent protest or something to the yeah. neighborhood. Because mm-hmm. this year we like, we, um, we, we've, we instituted a ton of Advent traditions this year. But we're kind of realizing, or I'm realizing, I think Cody's perfectly satisfied, but I'm like, realizing that I didn't plan on enough for the Christmas season. Um, that we had so much buildup, but it, it was Advent buildup mm-hmm. in fairness, but still like now that we've got Christmas, it's like we have less, less traditions that we're doing. But um, we started a thing this year where the first Sunday of Advent, we put out our Advent wreaths. The second week we put out our indoor decorations and talked to the kids about like, we're preparing our hearts for Christ, like the inside of the house. And then, like oh and we're we're showing it to the world so we put up our lights the third week and put up our tree the fourth week well so and it was like the end of the third week that we put up our lights and our neighbors have done their lights kind of to complement ours over the last few years because we share like trees so their lights had been up oh, I since you. like the day after thanksgiving yeah so, that's what we do yeah, yeah which is <laughs> is totally great but their lights had been up since the day after thanksgiving whereas ours waited like three weeks to go up and they took theirs down yesterday <laughs> So, so, so our joint lights are 12 days of Christmas. Yeah. I'm like, geez, that was only like, that was less than 48 hours of Christmas. So, so our joint light display existed. Jesus grew up so fast. I know he did. Kids grew up so fast. Our joint light display lasted for a grand total of like four days before, (laughs) before it was taken down. We have sort of a new Advent wreath tradition. In addition to the lawn ornaments, we, um, I guess, it, I think Ash and I both did this. It would kind of, you know, the kids each want to blow out a candle, right? Like that they, like, will kill each yeah. other for the opportunity yeah. to blow out the candles. Um, so some of the kids are shorter than others. So, like, I have to kind of lower um, the two-year-old kind of to blow out the candle. 
and well, long story short, he's short half an eyebrow now. Well, (laughs) (laughs) we had to trim his hair. I kept singeing my children. (laughs) We may or may not have have set a small little clump of hair on fire on one of our children, but so smells like burnt feathers. That which is a reference to one of my favorite Christmas. Wait, wait, don't don't say it. Wait, wait, Little Women. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, the March sisters. It's not Christmas without the March sisters. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. But yeah, Cody went to help her blow it out. He was behind her, and he gave a big, you know, and he didn't realize that he caught some of her hair. So the candle went out, but oh, as it went no. out, some of her hair passed through. Oh, God. It's, oh like, God. it's like the way Dobby does. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Confession, oh, I've only seen the Harry Potter movies once. One time. Confession. Confession. I've only seen one Harry Potter oh, movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> Confession. And it wasn't even voluntary? <laughs> Confession. I've seen them like, I don't know, 70 times each. <laughs> Confession they're playing right now. <laughs> that reminds oh, me goodness. of like in Parks and Recreation when when Anne is telling Leslie, nope, that she forces people to do things. She's like, you forced me to watch all mm-hmm. eight Harry Potter movies. I don't even like Harry Potter. <laughs> And Leslie Nope's like, you love Harry Potter. You watched all eight movies. <laughs> yep. Yep. You love it. We Colby. are literally watching Harry Potter right now. Are you really? Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, I just had to find a way to say literally. <laughs> so my favorite kid Christmas movie um, it is uh, Santa Claus the movie, which is uh-huh. not the Santa Claus Right, 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 not like the you know the legal clause, and it, I feel like nobody, unless you were born in 1983 and you know hit your childhood groove in 86, 87, even remembers Santa Claus the movie. Do do either of y'all remember it at all? No, I remember watching it, but I couldn't tell you what it's about. Well, it's about Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it it is like the. Uh, you know, if we're talking inside out, like the golden, the core memories, you know, of your childhood, that's some of my core memories. Like, um, that to me is the best, uh, representation, like the origins of Santa Claus and like his wood, uh, workshop and stuff. Oh, this isn't the, the claymation. So Santa Claus is coming to town that we're talking about, right? No, no, no. This is that one over the weekend. This is so. I should just looked it up. So, consider Scott. Consider you're the only one that was alive when this movie came out. Nineteen eighty five. Yeah. Pretty sure I saw. I, it in theaters. I might have been alive, just in utero at that point, and therefore unable to watch movies. In utero is where I first saw the Anna Green Gables movies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, the Santa Claus movie—it's—I always forget the name of uh, the guy who plays Santa Claus. But if you're looking up, you can tell me. But it's, David Huddleston. Yeah, that's right. He—he's um, played in some westerns and stuff. Um, but it's got Dudley Moore's Patch, like the mm-hmm. chief elf, or not chief elf, but like the inventive elf. And then um, uh, John Lithgow is the evil toy maker. And then it's got. One of the coolest actors ever, Burgess Meredith, you know, uh-huh. uh, Mickey from Rocky as yeah. the, uh, the chief elf or the elder elf. That's what now, it says. I'm pretty, he has a beard that's like, I don't know, um, 200 feet long and needs like 40 elves to carry it in two lines behind him. It's the coolest thing <laughs> ever. 
Wow. And I'm pretty sure my early understanding of uh, God was based off of uh, Burgess Meredith's uh, ancient elf figure. <laughs> and slowly I adapted it to <laughs> more orthodox standards. But that was, a, that was some key memories for me anyway. Well, dang, I'm going to have to put that in my queue and go watch it. It's so good. At least the first half. The second half, you know, just becomes a giant commercial for uh, McDonald's and Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Product placement. <laughs> I know it's got a 6 out of 10 on IMDb, so I'm not sure how good it is. I mean, that seems not bad. It's probably fully rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) 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 But uh, I guess my adult movie is um, what Ash and I always watch is Holiday Inn, which that's where you first get um, the song White Christmas, not actually from White Christmas, right? It's originally from Holiday Inn. Yeah. So, uh, that, and, yeah, that's awesome movie. Well, that's good. So, actually, I will say I just watched White Christmas for the first time this last weekend. Oh, yeah? Yeah, with, with Valerie. Um, so, same, I think I remember seeing it when I was a kid, but I just couldn't recall, because my grandmother used to watch all those old-time movies, like, all the time. Um, so, like, it seemed a little familiar, but watching it again, it was pretty good. I love the, um, the you know, the military, like how they're honoring the general and everything in White yes. Christmas. Yes. But the Danny Kaye, some of the, um, you know, dance numbers are a little, like, avant-garde or, like, modern. Just a little mm-hmm. freaky for a Christmas movie. Oh, I asked, my wife just brought um, baby Elizabeth in to snicker at me. <laughs> Here, let me hold her. Let's see if she'll if she has separation anxiety coming away from her mom. Oh. <laughs> oh, there she goes. Yep. Heard it. <laughs> yes. So uh, you mentioned Jude Law a little ways back. I just wanted to say that Jude Law is going to be in the new Captain Marvel movie. Really? He's going to be like Captain Marvel or like the old Captain Marvel. And then you know Brie Larson's gonna be like the the main Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, neat. And I guess a lot of people are curious to see how this is gonna start tying into because apparently the Captain Marvel movie happens, of course, before. Yeah, it's uh, like Infinity in the nineties or something. Yeah, it's like way ahead of time. Um, which it's weird. It's like that. You know, are the nineties? Does that make it a period piece now? <laughs> I mean, is that far enough in the past that? You know, it like re- you know requires all its own fads and everything. I mean, it'll probably have to. Uh, I mean, because even though it's within the series or within the the Marvel universe, it's I mean, it's going to be its own movie. Um, I I like how uh, X Men Apocalypse, you know, kind of had that eighties feel or like early nineties, I guess. But yeah, was X Men Apocalypse, and then what was the other one? Was it First Class? Yeah, which was yeah. like seven. Well, um, there's one between there that I think had the seventies feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I think they're right now. You can like, or maybe a month ago, you could. Um, they Brie Larson came out in all the different costumes that Captain Marvel was gonna wear. Like, there's the green one, like when she's with the Kree. 
Uh, and then like you know the red, gold, and blue, which is like the more normal. The typical, yeah. I also heard they're doing um, Great American Hero, which is like, have you ever heard of that show? Like no. the Greatest American Hero. It's um, it's it's like from the seventies, but uh, yeah, they're like remaking it um, huh. because I think ABC is doing it. They still have the rights. You know, that's like it, I don't. Well, I guess if it's ABC, that they have everything Disney would have access to. I don't know why they'd use that, but yeah. So it, it's going to be updated with instead of you know a white dude, it's going to be like a um, like an Afghani or a Pakistani woman that um, is uh, she. I think she fought uh, was like this special elite special forces with the Afghan army or okay. And she comes uh, somehow. She gets to America, but it's it's an interesting twist on an old story. Gotcha. Old, you know, meaning seventies. Yeah. Well, that's one thing you'll definitely have to be the main voice in because I never kept up with anything comic book or um, typical Marvel or DC stuff. I mean, once the movie started coming out, I did start reading a little bit of backstories just to kind of have an idea of the stories. Um, but I never really kept up with any of the the actual you know fandom it's i mean it's insane uh if have you seen like the you know the movies planned for the future like like the hundreds of marvel and dc movies oh yeah planned out i mean oh yeah it's like they planned out at least a decade into the future it's 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 mind-boggling i think it kind of plays on I know some friends and I were talking about this one time, but it seems like every new movie that comes out, you know, is a new box office record. Mm-hmm. Um, like Aquaman. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's because movies are more popular. I think it's because they keep raising ticket prices. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an artificial. <laughs> right, it's an artificial inflation. Um, but yeah, like everything is just so hype now that it just gets built up and built up and built up, and then it just it's just this release. Um. So they have to continue. It's almost like the same business model that Apple uses where, you know, they have to develop like, you know, this big update that they have to market and, you know, produce to get everyone's hype up, uh, you know, to, to keep attention. Because if they don't, you just lose it. I'm, I'm looking up as we're talking, you know, the highest grossing films like adjusted for inflation. And they say... I mean, it's not on the list I'm looking at. Number one is Avatar and then Titanic. But they say that the um, that Gone with the Wind, adjusted for inflation, is still the number one highest grossing. Wow. Just, I mean. Well, some of these make sense. Yeah. I mean, well, was it filmsite.org? I just typed it in at Google and this one popped up. But yes, it's Gone with the Wind, Star Wars Episode Four, and The Sound of Music at the top three. Yeah, it looks like Which makes sense on on this one in terms of uh, worldwide gross. It looks like Avengers: Infinity War popped up to number four. Wow! I'm just glad that Jurassic. Well, it has just Jurassic World. I want Jurassic Park to be up here. Oh man! Let's see if we can get into some of this Days of Christmas Where? thing. So it can. Oh yeah. Um. So, yeah, so what I have is. Uh, day z- day zero basically is Christmas Day, and then day one is the twenty six, which is Feast of Saint Stephen Boxing Day, and then this would be day two, um, 
the feast of St. John the Evangelist. Is that, do y'all have a different that, yeah. <laughs> I think Christmas is the first day. That's what my expectation was. Like liturgically. Because, let's see, it ends at, um, I mean, that <laughs> definitely makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it depends on the liturgical calendar, but it's not always exactly 12 days, right? And maybe that's it. Because the 6th of January is the, is that always the Feast of the Epiphany? Let's see. So, Feast Google, being the authority on all things liturgical, says that the first day this year, <laughs> that the first day <laughs> yeah. this year is Tuesday, December 25th, and the 12th is Saturday, January 5th. But... So, Twelfth Night is the Eve of the I Epiphany? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. So, maybe you're right. So, that's, that's the issue, hmm. I guess, right there is what you were saying. I mean, maybe it's Twelfth Night. So, maybe it's like the vigil of Epiphany is the Twelfth Night. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Like, with sunset. Yeah. I see. Because, <clears throat> well, I, I don't know. Hmm. Go ahead. I don't know. Well, I've got one of the in my the article I wrote about this, um, which I wrote last year, so it's not as fresh as I'd like it to be. But um, so in the Middle Ages, the first three feasts, um, the first three days of Christmas, um, it was a tradition that they each were dedicated to a different part of the clergy. So, like, if if the numbering starts with the first day, I mean the the day after Christmas, it would be St. Stephen for deacons, mm-hmm. um, John the Evangelist for uh, priests, and then the Holy Innocents, which would... Is that I think day so. three? Yeah. So that would be um, young men, seminarians, um, you know, training for the clergy, or um, even altar servers. So, I don't know. At least... I don't know. Maybe in the Middle Ages, the the first three days were those three feasts. I don't know. We, what? I wish we. I wish I could say this definitively. It seems like it makes a lot more sense what y'all are saying, though. No, sure. What I've, I mean, what I've read and found says Roman Catholic liturgical feasts on the general Roman calendar. Um, the first day is the feast of Saint Stephen, proto martyr. The twenty seventh is the feast of Saint John the Apostle. Right, mm-hmm. um, and then the feast of the Holy Innocents. Those are the first three days. The first three well, days. this is oh, stupendous. Okay. Well, that, we get extra day. Then the following, <laughs> oh, and then the following <laughs> Sunday. Well, then it says, well, the twenty. Twenty uh, ninth blog article hasn't been wrong for a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it says twenty eighth is the feast of the Holy Innocents, and then the 29th is the feast of Saint Thomas Thomas Becket. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and then the Sunday within the octave is the feast of the Holy Family. Yeah, I see. So let me scroll down to Feast of. Yeah, and not to forget Day Five, the Feast of Saint Edwin of Worcester. Always popular. <laughs> but so today, um, December twenty seventh, the Feast of Saint John the Evangelist. Um, what what I love to mention about Saint John, or you know, Saint John the Apostle, like Colby said, is that you know that. Um, that verse at the end of John's Gospel, uh, it's chapter 21, like 20, 20 through 25, um, where Jesus and Peter are talking. And, you know, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, mm-hmm. that, that whole discussion. And um, 
Peter like says, well, what about him? You know, and uh, speaking in reference to John the Apostle, and Jesus says, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Mm. You know, it's that weird little passage that Peter's like, well, they knew something. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, from that verse, you have this tradition that perhaps John didn't die, you know, and that you uh, may even, uh, it's like a, ancient catholic legend that he may even be you know still walking the earth which i but i'm the only one that i read that and i'm like you know i that what i've always i've always Wait been told it means like that he wasn't going to die a martyr's death you know but but i'm always like but what if <laughs> what if he's still alive <laughs> yeah we're not ruling this it's out. funny like i don't think anyone's made but, a movie about that you know like you have so many movies of like like that joshua movie or like the shack or you know different kind of strange things but like no, I, i've never seen anything where it's like oh yeah that's the apostle john when you know and saying that now like now that you're talking about it i don't think i've ever had a conversation yeah. with anybody talk about that really no because we got to ask you what dr petrie says about this well, if i've never heard of it then i've never heard have of we, it <laughs> yeah have we said about y'all's uh, unique Oh yeah, you need to mention that. Um, I will ask him that question this weekend though, because we have our family Christmas Day on Sunday. Uh, yeah, so one of the ties that bind us all together is the awesomeness of Doctor Brant Petrie, who just happens to be Colby's uncle, right? Yes. Hmm. He. Uh, so his wife and my mother are sisters, which would make him my uncle. Um. So it's always a funny topic of conversation when people were talking about him. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my uncle. And they're like, what? What do you, what do you, what? He doesn't have family. Um, <laughs> no, he doesn't. He he's was born John, from a sea phone. Walking the uh, earth. He's, he's got a bunch of his, <laughs> yeah. he's got a bunch of his own kids, but he does have other family, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's one always, thing we'll have to do eventually is get him on. Oh, with that would his, be. That'd be awesome. Well, even even with my connections, that'd probably still be a difficult task. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to promise that. <laughs> Gotta deliver, man. Gotta <laughs> deliver the goods. Mm-mm. Um. So yeah. So just to round it out, I think I mean, Colby, you kind of said we, day four, uh, December 29th, feast of Thomas of Becket, uh, Saint Thomas of Becket, uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, martyred. Uh, day five. Feast of St. Edwin of Worcester. It's a pretty um, see, great that's name. Just, yeah. I mean, it, it's almost as cool as mm-hmm. Hedwig. And if you scramble the letters, <laughs> it's pretty much there. But uh, that, so that was just a, just, um, is a, he was a Benedictine bishop, established monasteries in England. Um, then day six, December 31st, New Year's Eve. On that day, we celebrate Pope Sylvester, Pope St. Sylvester the first. Um, and that's even New Year's Eve is still, some people still call it Sylvester, um, mm-hmm. like S-I-L Vester, um, mm-hmm. based on, because of Pope St. Sylvester. And then day 7th, uh, day 7th, day 7, the 1st <laughs> of January, that's the Feast of the Solemnity of Mary. Um, you know, that we have a whole feast of just Mary's motherhood is pretty awesome. Um... Let's see, day eight, Feast of Saints Basil, Basil the Great and Gregory Nazianzus. Uh, 
some of our Cappadocian fathers. Day 9, Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus. Day 10, Feast of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Uh, you know, our patron saint of Catholic education. My wife's confirmation saint. Day 11, uh, Epiphany Eve. Also the Feast of St. John Newman. Um, one of the cool things about St. John Newman uh, is that he was the pastor in Pittsburgh. And can y- can y'all guess who his associate pastor was? Nope. Blessed Silos. Oh, wow. oh. Yeah. So can you imagine being in a parish where you've got like two future saints as your pastor and associate pastor? And then finally, day 12, Feast of the Epiphany. <laughs> we said, you said that so nonchalantly. <laughs> it's just the Feast of the Epiphany. <laughs> not, not much. Not build much build everything up all the days before, and then I'll just leave it. Not much happened that day. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if I ran through that pretty fast. Anything stand out about any of those days or any um, stirrings about any particular day? Um, not anything significant, but I will say St. Basil stands out to me because a friend of mine has a pet rabbit whose name is Basil. <laughs> named after St. Basil the Great. <laughs> not named after Basil Rathbone, the voice of Sherlock Holmes from like the 1920s. Whereas, <laughs> similar, totally similar uh, experience, the priest who walked me down the aisle at our wedding was named Father Basil. So, just like wow. just like the rabbit cool. connection. I'm joking. Yeah, that that's <laughs> just a little bit. Different. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> but he did actually. There is a, a rodent connection that he had a ferret, um, that he much beloved ferret that he gifted to us when he moved away. So there actually is a, a rabbit ferret. Oh, that's where yeah, those ferret from came Father from. Father Basil, yes. Oh. oh. Well, there's more than one rodent connection, unless I, I might be messing this up. But in the Great Mouse Detective <laughs> movie, <laughs> uh, you know, which is based off Sherlock Holmes, the name of the mouse is Basil, based off of Basil Rathbone being the oh, so funny. Sherlock Holmes actor from the 30s. Or well, so something that stood out yeah. to me from all the feast days is it seemed like it was kind of alternating between martyrs and like great teachers or great you know and oh, that's cool. and with um with St. John just thinking about like one of the main things i associate with christmas is light you know like light in the darkness mm-hmm. and um like just at the beginning of the gospel of john you know like about the light came among us you know um mm-hmm. that that just seems like really poignant for for the whole 12 days of christmas and that all of those people are light in the darkness Hmm. I think even um, the Eastern um, Church, um, Eastern Orthodoxy, they celebrate on the Epiphany. They combine it uh, with the Baptism of the Lord. I think they celebrate those together. And hmm. either its current or an- ancient name of the feast was uh, Phobesimos or Photosimos. Something, it's it's a feast of light, yeah. right? Huh. Uh, and both those things representing to them light. Um, there's, pro- there's probably a lot more that could be said about that if I had prepared. But but yeah, I, I mean, I think you're spot on with that. And it's even enshrined in the liturgical calendar of the Eastern Church. Well, I think it's good too how you pointed out the theme of either martyrs or great teachers. Because mm-hmm. um, one of the things that stood out to me is St. John Newman. 
falls within these days. Mm-hmm. And my, a lot of people don't really make this, you know, like, I guess, valuation. But, you know, most Catholic campus ministries originally were started as what are called Newman centers. Um, and so St. John Newman was actually attributed with um, starting a lot of educational, uh, you know, initiatives um, where he was within the diocese. And so a lot of uh, educational ministries are attributed or, you know, paid homage to St. John Newman. Um, and I should I should disambiguate. Uh, uh, <laughs> I feel like this I could have thought of a shorter word for that, but um the um this so this is St. John Newman. Let's see. It's N E U M A N N. Um there's there's also another John Newman um spelled differently, but then there's also uh John Henry Newman. Mm-hmm. Um Cardinal John Henry Newman maybe. Um the Anglican convert in England, uh, you know, from England. I th- I want to say that's where the Newman centers came from. Okay. I don't know if somebody can help help me clarify that, but because the Newman centers are spelled N E W M A N, right? I cannot confirm that. So I'm not sure. I th- I think that's right. Well, um, if we're wrong, we'll just I'll um, make sure to chastise myself with a correction in the next um, podcast. Or thank you for correcting me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, like I was I was trying to do a post on John Newman last year. And I think I posted the wrong Newman. And it wasn't John Henry Newman. It's like there's another John Newman that's just spelled like with one less N or something. It's very confusing. <laughs> we got too many saints. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get, we just need less saints. No, I'm kidding. That's <laughs> wrong. That's, that's the no, wrong way. That's the opposite of what we need. <laughs> we need more. One other thing to mention about the 12 days of Christmas is, you know, there's kind of that. <clears throat> urban legend or myth or whatever you want to call it that the 12 days of christmas were like an underground catechism for catholics you know in the english reformation <laughs> you know <laughs> so like uh here i've got it so two turtle doves the old and new testaments three french hens faith hope charity theological virtues um the thing about it is that's probably not true because what how does that help you remember faith, hope, and charity? Three French hens. You know, there's no intrinsic connection between those two. No. I mean, if you're gonna have a conversation about the connection, you might as well have a conversation about right. the actual topic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, <laughs> and it's not like only Catholics had the Old and New Testaments. You know, it's like when the Anglicans still had the same um, division of the. You know, they may not have the um, the Deuterocanon, but. You know, there's still got the same, same theological virtue. So, I mean, it's just basic Christian catechesis here. And some of it gets a little uh, iffy. Like, 11 Pipers Piping is the 11 faithful apostles. <laughs> 12 Drummers Drumming are the 12 points of doctrine in the Apostles' Creed. Like, I feel there could be more points um, delineated uh, from the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, I would say that's a stretch. Yeah. But again, when you talk about theology... It's always something you're digging up. So it might not make complete sense to us at the moment, but I'm sure once you have the conversations, there's probably something in there. Yeah, it probably is some kernel of truth to it. And I, I think, um, you know, the the tree itself, um, there is a very Christological meaning to the tree. 
you know, and um, my true love and the tree in, in terms of the cross. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard that the, but the in terms tree of, is representative of the cross, but the, the, the three French hens things and the 11 faithful apostles, uh, so you can take anything anything in popular culture and and relate it to the bible somehow or relate it to catholicism somehow um i mean or or like wizard of oz connecting to the politics at the time like that that actually i, I actually read a, a book on that in high school and that made complete sense it made complete yeah, sense. Yeah, it's. I, I just went cool and googled thing. the the twelve the uh, twelve days of Christmas, the three French hens, and was reading something, and and there's nothing to indicate that three French hens has, by any means relates <laughs> to faith, hope, and love. They're just saying they stand for. It. Yeah, how does how does that help? How is that a mnemonic? <laughs> I mean, the, were the were the French at the time known for being those virtues? Not for, to the English. <laughs> <laughs> Five golden rings, the first five books of the Old Testament. Why would I need to know <laughs> that? Why do I need a mnemonic to remember that the first five books, there were five of them? Yeah, I mean, if it was five golden <laughs> Pentateuchs. <laughs> yeah, where do the rings come in? That might help. <laughs> ten lords are leaping for the Ten Commandments? Yeah, with the. So ten guys jumping around are going to remind you of the the hard and fast rules of the Lord's love for you. Yeah, the Lord's typically breaking well, the commandments. maybe it's that the Lord leaps them to break the commandments. Yeah, yeah it's like ten uh, Lord's yeah. leaping. Like the Lord is leaping ten times because you keep oh. breaking the commandments. Because you send well, ten. I like that. Every, every time you break a rule, the Lord jumps. And so nine ladies dancing is nine fruits of the Holy Spirit when you... When you uh, get the fear of the Holy Spirit, you make the Holy Spirit lady oh, dance. Perfect. <laughs> Except that <laughs> we're not getting lady? into the. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Well, we're not. That would. That's that whole God is a female mm. sort of thing. We're not going there. That that's bad. <laughs> bad stuff. I've been. Uh, I've been. I've been that, reading that the uh, the Marvel comics. Uh, a lot of them and. I don't know if you know this, but uh, death is represented by a woman in in all of it. Uh, like throughout the whole Marvel universe, uh, death is a woman. And she always goes to, uh, there's hmm. a couple of characters that she goes to, and Thanos is one of them, and uh, so is Deadpool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that is is that Thanos' yeah, yes. wife yeah, well, or something? The, the, he calls her his mistress. Or the mother they of call, his children. He calls her his mistress. <laughs> Um, so he's not married to her, but mm-hmm. he says, "My mistress, death." Uh, so, and and basically, in Thanos's sole purpose, uh, in in basically all of his travels, is to please his mistress, death. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to see, is it Captain Marvel? I uh, see because it's interesting because in DC, you know, it's it's, it's your typical. Um, uh, Grim Reaper, right. uh, and she she actually looks like the Grim Reaper, except two Thanos oh, and Deadpool. Okay. Well, actually, she prefers to appear as the Grim Reaper to Deadpool because Deadpool prefers it that way for some reason. I don't know, but then to Thanos, she appears as a woman, like with skin and all. But to to Deadpool and to all others, she has no skin. <laughs> 
The um, what I'm thinking about as you're talking. So we were just mentioning um, Captain Marvel, or actually Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah. um, and, and um, uh, you know, like the, the older, older 